Good morning. Welcome to Mary Queen of Peace Parish as we celebrate the 24th Sunday in Ordinary Time. A special welcome is extended to those who are visiting with us today and to anyone returning home to our parish community. You are always welcome here. Uh, tickets for the pancake breakfast, which will be held next weekend, will be on sale today after all masses. Though the formal requirement for masking has been lifted, we invite you to make your own choice to continue masking and or social distancing. Assisting us today are lectors Francis Casillo, Terry Rogers, Kathy Betts, Randy Kelly. Our altar servers are Dan and Nick Rogers. Our interpreter is Scott Dougherty. I am your cantor, Madeline Ajalo. Our organist is Bill Brinzer. And our celebrants are Father Michael and Deacon Frank. Please remain seated throughout the entire Mass so that the interpreter may be seen. Please join in singing with each other. Our opening hymn, Rain Down, it's number 582 in your hymnal, 582.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Well, I hope you uh, learned a uh, new word today as we begin. It's rain. <laughs> Rained out. Right? So as we're gathering on this rainy Sunday, 24th Sunday of Ordinary Time, we know we continue to be called as disciples to walk with the Lord and to walk with one another and we know how much and how deeply the mercy of the Lord has touched us so that mercy may also transform others and the world. As we begin, we ask that gift of God's mercy. Lord Jesus, you call the repentant sinner to your table. Lord, have mercy. Lord Jesus, enter into our hearts and heal our woundedness and sufferings. Christ, have mercy. Lord Jesus, you sit at the right hand of the Father to intercede for us. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us of our sin, and bring us to everlasting life.
gathering our prayers together, let us pray. Look upon us, God, creator and ruler of all things, that we may feel the working of your mercy and that we may serve you with all of our heart. Through Christ our Lord. opening ourselves to hear the word this weekend. We're hearing from Exodus, and it's after the law was given to Moses that the people built a molten calf as the image of God. God is not happy. (laughs) Moses pleads for God's mercy. Second reading is the first letter of Paul to Timothy. And Timothy is someone who was established in one of the communities that Paul founded. And being a leader like himself, he has great connection and love for Timothy. And he's even very vulnerable with him, talking about his own sinfulness and how great God's mercy has been for him. A reading from the book of Exodus. The Lord said to Moses, Go down at once to your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, for they have become depraved. They have soon turned aside from the way I pointed out to them, making for themselves a molten calf and worshiping it, sacrificing to it, and crying out, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. I see how stiff-necked this people is, continued the Lord to Moses. Let me alone then, that my wrath may blaze up against them to consume them. Then I will make of you a great nation. But Moses implored the Lord his God, saying, Why, O Lord, should your wrath blaze up against your own people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt? with such great power and with so strong a hand. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, and how you swore to them by your own self, saying, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and all this land that I promised. I will give your descendants as their perpetual heritage. So the Lord relented in the punishment he had threatened to inflict on his people. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I will rise. 
Create a pure heart for me, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. from the first letter of Paul to Timothy. Beloved, I am grateful to him who has strengthened me, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he considered me trustworthy in appointing me to the ministry. I was once a blasphemer, a persecutor, and arrogant, but I have been mercifully treated because I acted out of ignorance in my unbelief. Indeed, the grace of our Lord has been abundant, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of these, I am the foremost. But for that reason, I was mercifully treated, so that in me, as the foremost, Christ Jesus might display all his patience as an example for those who would come to believe in him for everlasting life. To the King of Ages, incorruptible, invisible, the only God, honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord.
Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to, to listen to Jesus. But the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them he addressed this parable. What man among you having a hundred sheep and losing one of them would not leave the ninety-nine in the desert and go after the lost one until he finds it? And when he does find it, he sets it on his shoulders with great joy, and upon arriving home, he calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me because I found my lost sheep. I tell you, just in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who have no need of repentance. Or what woman, having ten coins and losing one, would not light a lamp and sweep the house, searching carefully until she finds it? And when she does find it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I found the coin I have lost. In just the same way, I tell you, there will be rejoicing among the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Then he said, a man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of my estate that should come to me. So the father divided his property between them. And after days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country where he squandered his inheritance on life of dispiation. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck the country and he found himself in dire need. And so he hired himself out to one of the local citizens who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat his fill of the pods in which the swine fed, but nobody gave him anything. Coming to his senses, he thought, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat? But here I am, dying of hunger. I shall go get up, and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. And so he got up, and he went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him, and he was filled with compassion and he ran to his son, and he braced him, and he kissed him. And he said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered the servants, quickly bring me the finest robe and put it on him. Put his ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast, 
because this son of mine was dead and he's come back to life again. He was lost and now he is found. Then the celebration began. Now the older son, who has been out in the field, and on his way back, he heard, as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, your brother has returned and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And he became angry, and he refused to enter the house. And his father came out and pleaded with him. And he said to his father, look, after all these years I've served you, and not once did I disobey you. Yet never gave me a young goat to even feast with my friends. But when your son returns, who swallowed all your property in prostitutes, and for him, you slaughtered the fattened calf. And he said to him, my son, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and now he is found. The Gospel of the Lord. Words the Gospel. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. You know that during these months of ordinary time, I've been trying to stir us up a bit to understand how radical our gospel message is, how radical this call of discipleship is, what this gospel really means, because sometimes we've just taken it on as just, eh, we'll just add this a little bit to our lives, right? But really, this is a whole new way of living and being and acting and thinking. And so the gospel and following the Lord is radical, radical, radical. And so this is the introduction to this trilogy of parables found in Luke's gospel, this great chapter expressing God's great merciful love, welcoming all people, particularly and even those who are sinners. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So just to give a little bit of uh, deeper access to what we heard uh, today in this trilogy of parables, instead of talking about each of those or trying to explain the parables themselves, I want to just talk about two points, uh, gospel points, Luke's gospel points, that really ho hopefully help us understand all three. Uh, first of all, uh, once again, when we hear that word or that phrase or see and experience Jesus at table, right? Celebrating a meal, a banquet, 
a feast. Whenever we hear that, he's at the house of someone, right? He's in their home and he's celebrating. Whenever we hear that, we know that something incredibly significant is going to happen. These are the times when what Jesus does is he not only speaks about, teaches about the kingdom, but he literally embodies what the kingdom and the experience of the kingdom is supposed to be all about. So at the banquet, he's talking about and embracing situations like in the house of a Pharisee, the woman caught in adultery who's welcomed in together. You following that, right? So he's embodying the very presence and the power of the kingdom of God that is in him and in relationship with him. And so when we hear in today's passage that he welcomes sinners and eats with them, that's about that at-table fellowship that welcomes all people, but particularly welcomes those who are excluded, marginalized, struggling sinners, right? at table, we know is an embodiment, an experience, a very invitation into that experience of the kingdom of God. And that's what sets the, the, the tone for all three of these parables, right? At table, welcoming, dignifying, you know, the, those words that welcome sinners and eating with them is Jesus' way of just sharing the dignity for every single person, even those who can't even find the dignity in themselves, right? That's what that's about. It's the first key. Second key is this, parables. Parables are not just stories. They're not just analogies or similes or whatever, right? They're much more than that. And Jesus is known to teach in parables more than any other way, especially if we think about the historical Jesus that we have in Scripture. And in Luke's Gospel, we have more teachings in parables than any of the other Gospel passages, any of the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, right? Sorry. <laughs> so, so, so Luke has, so, so today we heard two of them that are not in any other gospel. The parable of the lost coin, the parable of the two sons and the loving father, not found any place else. And so parables are this teaching method that are of its own type and genre that Jesus uses most often and certainly most often in Luke's gospel. What parables are supposed to do are several things. First of all, there is not one way to interpret a parable. That's not the purpose of them. As a matter of fact, they're set up so that they not only control or share a particular message with a hearer, but that invite the hearer to participate in it and interpret it in some way related to their own life. And so it's not to share a particular message, right? Like, let's, let's think about this. If I was going to share a particular teaching or message to you, I'd say, here's the question, here's the answer, here's the PowerPoint, boom, 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 right? <laughs> right? That's not what a parable is. A parable is actually something that creates a paradox. It's not to confirm. 
It's not to support. It's not to be even reasonable in some way. It's actually supposed to uproot, disturb, twist, and create an opportunity or a possibility for each of us to enter into it, participate in it, and to tear open our minds and hearts so that we might look at the world, ourselves, and God and God's kingdom differently. That's what parables are trying to do. Not to control or to share a particular message, but to invite each and every one of us into participating and understanding and being transformed and opened by the story. That's the purpose of parables, right? So I'm gonna give like one for instance here, right? So we heard the parable of the lost sheep. Here, here's what's crazy about that. It's supposed to uproot, it's supposed to disturb, right? He left 99 in the desert and the wilderness and searched for one. And Jesus starts out by saying, who <laughs> wouldn't leave the 99 in the desert and go and search for the one, right? Well, it would be one thing if Jesus said, who wouldn't leave them in a sheep pen, right? Who wouldn't leave them within a particular, uh, put them in the barn, you know, right? And then go search for the one because then all 99 would be safe, right? There's no shepherd in his right mind who would actually leave 99 abandoned in the desert to the wolves and the predators and go after one. It's stupid, right? It's foolish. And that's what it's supposed to do. Like, why would this happen, right? It's supposed to tear open our minds and hearts to try to understand something different about the presence and the experience of God's kingdom in our midst. Now think about that. Table fellowship, welcoming the sinner and eating with them, and the parables, three of them, about God's great mercy that are supposed to invite us in to that participation and that experience. What do you think that's supposed to mean, not only about Jesus, but about you and I as Christians in church? If Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them, what do you think we're supposed to do? You following that? Now, we, since we became Mary, Queen of Peace, have this community covenant. One of the things, of course, we say is we invite, right? And we say we'd like to invite all to our inclusive home and that each and every one of us is called to be a person of welcome and hospitality and to walk with, welcome, and accompany anyone who wants to enter into a relationship with Jesus, right? And of course we know when we enter into that relationship with Jesus and community, that changes us and transforms. But let's just be honest. Catholics and Christians oftentimes say all are welcome except if, right, dot, 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 all are welcome except if, and I'm just going to give a couple here, right? All are welcome except if you're divorced and remarried. All are welcome except if you have this immigration status. All are welcome except if 
you have a tattoo sleeve and blue hair. <laughs> right? Right? All are welcome if, right? And just kind of put, fill in, right? Don't we do that? Now, now, and really, what Jesus did at table with sinners, uh, with, with anybody, it seemed, was welcomed them into the experience so that their lives could be transformed and changed and touched by love and mercy and to enter into that journey. Jesus welcomed sinners and ate with them. Thanks be to God. Or probably we wouldn't be here. We together profess one faith. I'm going to ask three questions. The response to those questions is, I do. Do you believe? Do you believe God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the only Son, our Lord, who was born of the Virgin Mary, crucified, died, buried, rose from the dead, and is now seated at the right hand of God, the Father? Do you believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. This is our faith that we profess through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Knowing the great compassion of God for us and all, we offer these needs and petitions. Our response this morning is, hear us, O Lord, that the church may model forgiveness, peace, and reconciliation. We pray. Hear us, O Lord for an end to the war in the Ukraine, and for all who suffer from the wounds of war all over the world. We pray. Hear us, O oh Lord. For all those who've lost their lives on September 11th, 2001, and for all those whose lives have been changed by terrorism. We pray. Hear us, O Lord. For all those on our prayer request list in the bulletin, that their pain and suffering be eased by our prayers. We pray. Hear us, O Lord. We go forth for an end to the production of all chemical and nuclear weapons. We pray. Hear us, O Lord. For all those who have died in our parish community, especially William Rakowski, may they be welcome into God's kingdom. We pray. Hear us, O Lord.
We remember today Maria and Francesco Bruno and all the intentions present on the altar, along with those we hold in the silence of our hearts. We pray. Hear us, O Lord. And calling on the loving intercession in our patron and mother, we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Mary, Queen of Peace, pray for us. Please join in singing number 645, Amazing Grace, 645. Pray, sisters and brothers, my sacrifice and yours will be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and good of all his holy church. 
We pray, Lord, that you will look favorably on our supplications. In your kindness, accept these, your servants' offerings, that what each one has offered to the honor of your name may serve the salvation of all. Through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere, to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, almighty and eternal God. Through your beloved Son, you created the human race. So also through him with great goodness, you form it anew. Therefore, it's right that all creatures serve you, all the redeemed praise you, all the saints with one heart bless you. We too extol you with all of the angels and saints as in joyful celebration we acclaim. Indeed, holy Lord, the font of all holiness, make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray, sending down your spirit on them like the dewfall, that they may become the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed, he entered willingly into his passion. He took bread said the blessing, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, saying, take this, all of you, and eat of it. This is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, again giving thanks, gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it. This is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your 
Therefore, we celebrate the memory of his death and resurrection, and we offer you, Lord, the bread of life, the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to stand in your presence and to minister to you. Humbly, we pray that partaking in the body and the blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church, which is spread throughout the world. Bring us to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, with David, our Bishop, all clergy and all who serve and lead your people. Remember also all of our sisters and brothers who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. And have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, the Mother of God, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, that we too may be co-heirs to eternal life, to praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. 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 Please rise, Mr. Abel. At the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And, and lead us, us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil, Lord. Grant peace in our day, that by the help of your mercy, we may be freed from sin, protected from all anxiety, as we wait in joyful hope the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For, For the, the kingdom, kingdom and power, and, and glory are yours, now and forever. Lord, you said to your apostles and to us, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sin, but on the faith of your church. Grant us peace and unity, in accordance with your will, for you live and reign forever and ever. Amen. Peace of the Lord be with you. Let us offer each other some sign of Christ's peace.
Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are we who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. But only say the word and my soul shall be healed. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are in the blessed sacrament. I love you above all things, and I long for you in my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. As though you have already come, I embrace you and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
gathering our prayers. Let us pray. May the working of this heavenly gift, O Lord, we pray, take possession of our minds and bodies so that its effects, not only our own desires, may prevail in us. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May the blessings of Almighty God be upon you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the gospel. Oh, that's supposed to be, sorry. The Mass has ended. Go in peace. <laughs> Glorify the Lord by your life. Thanks. Thanks be to God. <laughs> Our closing hymn is number 685, How Can I Keep From Singing, 685.